This week's episode of The Obsessive Viewer is sponsored by Westworld FM, the latest podcast from the Midwest Podcast Network. Westworld FM seeks to dissect the latest episode of HBO's Westworld TV series every week. Join Alex and Nick as they take a deep dive into the latest TV show from producers Jonathan Nolan and J.J. Abrams. New episodes of the podcast are available on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and more the day after the TV show airs. Check out the show at westworld.fm or search for Westworld FM on your favorite podcasting service. And thank you to Westworld FM and the Midwest Podcast Network for sponsoring this week's episode. This is Matt Hurt at Obsessive Viewer on Twitter. This is Tiny at Obsessive Tiny on Twitter. And this is ObsessiveViewer.com's The Obsessive Viewer Podcast. Hello and welcome to The Obsessive Viewer. We're a weekly movie and TV podcast that covers a specific topic, be it genre, trope, movie, or show, each episode. You can find back episodes at ovpodcast.com, find the blog at ObsessiveViewer.com, and you can like us on Facebook and join the Facebook group at facebook.com slash the obsessive viewer. So today on the podcast, we uh, are back. Um, Tiny, you weren't here last week. I wasn't. Yeah. Did you ever get around to seeing Dr. Strange? I'm awful. Uh, I, I did. <laughs> good, good. I did. And, <laughs> and we were just talking about what you're going to bring up for potpourri. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> interesting. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> So today on the podcast, we are going to be reviewing uh, Denny Villeneuve's Arrival. Here's a plot description courtesy of IMDb. A linguist is recruited by the military to assist in translating alien communications. So this movie uh, stars Amy Adams, Jeremy Renner, Forrest Whitaker, and it is uh, written by Eric Heiserer. Um, and, uh, based on the story, uh, based on the short story, story of your life written by Ted Chiang, which before I went to the movie, I went into target and I saw that the book was there and I, I had no idea it was based on a book. So, um, mm-hmm. I might check that out. Me too. Um, I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah. Yep. So tiny, let's go ahead and kind of talk about this movie. So you saw it last night? Correct. Nice. And uh, what was the theater like? Like, how was the experience of seeing it? Well, I saw it, uh, saw it about 8 o'clock on a weeknight, and so I, was, I figured I'd be the only one there, maybe one or two other people there. Mm-hmm. There were actually like 15 people there. I was kind of nice. kind of surprised. I think I think word of mouth and uh, um, the, the positive reviews that it's getting and everything are actually mm-hmm. having an effect, and people are like, well, I guess, guess I better go see this thing. Um, so I'm, I'm ple- I was pleased to see that. Um, but yeah, it was a good crowd. Everybody was like really, really respectful and everything. Um, yeah, it was, it was a, it was a good, uh, good theater experience. Nice. I don't have any like, uh, angry video or angry, uh, theater experience stories this time around. That's good. But it is interesting cause I got there super early and I got there so early that they like the previous screening hadn't let out yet. And so I'm just kind of killing time. And I mean, I don't need to worry about getting into the theater early because now the theater that I go to has assigned seats or uh, yeah, uh, reserve seats. And so I'm sitting there and then like I asked the ticket taker, I'm like, Hey, um, is, is the seating yet? And then they're like, uh, no, we actually, it's going to be probably about 10 more minutes cause we need to clean the theater. Cause we had 72 people in there, Wow. which this was like early afternoon on a Sunday. Hmm. So I'm like, and granted, yeah, that is a probably a high volume time for mu- uh, movie theaters, but that was still pretty, uh, encouraging. Yeah. Yeah. And so Denny Villeneuve, he is, he, he made, um, 
Prisoners and Sicario and Enemy. Um, I haven't seen Enemy, but um, I have seen Prisoners and Sicario. I enjoyed Prisoners quite a bit. Um, Sicario, I still, I still just was not too hot on. And, uh, yeah, Tiny, how's your relationship with Denis Villeneuve? Well, we, uh, we as a podcast and as podcasters praised Prisoners up and down. Mm -hmm. uh, And we all consider that to be a very underrated movie, uh, for that year. What was it like 2014? I want to say. Um, yes, it was, uh, 2015. Sicario. No, no, no. uh, I was looking at Sicario. Uh, Prisoners was 2013. 2013. Okay. Yeah. So we, we praised that movie up and down and I stand by all that. That's a, phenomenal movie i haven't seen sicario yet i really you still haven't seen sicario i haven't seen it no i it just wasn't really on my radar that much mm-hmm. um so yeah i as soon as i saw prisoners i was very intrigued by uh denis villeneuve so mm-hmm. the, he, honestly that wasn't even the reason why i was really excited about arrival <laughs> it was other <laughs> other factors but uh that was just a cherry on top nice uh yeah so let's go ahead and talk about uh arrival mm-hmm. um what uh what opinion did your brain make an arrival at about this movie <laughs> after seeing it? Uh, it, it, it arrived at a very positive, very, very positive opinion. Um, I was, I was super excited about this because I mean, just, I love science fiction from the get go. I mm-hmm. aliens scare the crap out of me, but I find it really intriguing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this, this seems like, this story is is just so in my wheelhouse. It's 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 not even funny, and so I was highly anticipating the movie just because of the subject matter. And it's it's this is kind of one of those scenarios. The story is one of those scenarios where this is one of those things where you're like hanging out with your buddies late at night, or you're like out to dinner with your friends, or you're just trying to kill time and you think of these goofy scenarios in your head like hey what would you do in this situation or if you could be any superhero what would you be or if you could have any superpower what would it be it's like if aliens showed up on your front door what would you do or how would Mm -hmm. you try to communicate with them and this movie explores that idea and that's i really appreciate and enjoy those kinds of thought exercises and and this this movie just like goes to all of the it goes to several of the, I think, uh, standard answers to this thought exercise or like some of the mo- most interesting and detailed versions of what someone could do in this situation or in, the, in, the, in this thought exercise. And so it was just incredibly satisfying from a, a story standpoint or like an intellectual curiosity standpoint, just, you know, it, it explored the situation incredibly well, um, which is what I really wanted it to do. I agree completely. This movie is, uh, the exact type of sci-fi movie that I, I adore. I, I love this type of hard sci-fi movie that explores what, how humans would react and, and what humans can do and, uh, what we as a species can accomplish with, um, a supernatural, not supernatural, but a science fiction based scenario is like when we're confronted with that. I thought that that was handled incredibly well. And the, the, uh, the kind of human story at the center of this, the story of Amy Adams's character is really, uh, handled extremely well by by my uh standards it's um there are certain aspects to it that are i can draw comparisons to to other movies that uh, i'll talk about when we talk about spoilers but just the way that it was handled felt just so so great um 
it was really interesting. And some of the, um, the, the story of her character is, um, was really appealing to me. Um, and I was there with it along, uh, along the, the whole ride. The only thing is that I, I felt like the scenes between her and, and Jeremy Renner, I felt like there wasn't enough explored between those two characters because they're working together. So, uh, to accomplish this, you know, basically talking to aliens, um, thing. And I kind of wish that there was a little bit more between them to, to kind of develop their, um, working relationship and their chemistry. But that's a minor complaint. Um, I agree. I think there was more to explore there. Yeah. I think they, they could have fleshed that out a little bit more. Um, and it ended up being an integral part of the story too. So I, I wanted it. I, I did. I did want to see a little bit more there. Right. Uh, they have a couple scenes here and there where, um, like, uh, they're they're kind of sitting. I think they're sitting like on on a on a car and they're they're talking about it or, or mm-hmm. they're talking about uh, a little bit about themselves. And I kind of wish that there was more to that. Like there was more yeah. of that. But um, that's a minor complaint because there's a lot of stuff that's going on in this movie that. Um, needed attention <laughs> right obviously right um some of the visual uh the craft of the movie is is really impressive like the the shape and size of this of this huge structure and the way i don't even want to give away how they how they're how they board it and everything mm-hmm. but <laughs> um the way they do it is so is so clever and it's and it's there's a visual component to it that that is just kind of jaw dropping. I, I really loved the uh, kind of sci fi elements of them going into the ship. I agree. There were like some some like cool physics involved, basically. Um, and I think the uh, I don't know. I assume there is like an actual uh, ology or like study of language that is a science. Um, I don't know what it's called, but I guess the the process of you know two two different species and two different creatures entirely attempting to communicate with one another um obviously both species are highly intelligent like that's something that i mean if if you go and try to have a conversation with some highly isolated um tribe in the amazon um that's that is a massive challenge to learn how to communicate with those people but at, at least they're still human and they are still using the same, you know, larynx and voice box that you have, and you know, mm-hmm. they breathe oxygen, and the, there's there's common ground there. But with an entirely different species who's not even from your planet, like they don't even breathe oxygen, don't even know if they have mouths, like that's that is an entirely different thing. And the way that they explored that, and the way that Amy Adams's character uh, successfully navigated that process was just fascinating to watch like in and of itself like i just that right there just completely had me hooked in the whole time i mean you could have had like crappy characters in a dumb story and i still would have been fascinated by that um so just so i mean yeah kudos to the the screenwriter and uh ted chang who wrote the original short story um because that that in and of itself was incredibly compelling um one of the things that jumped out to me is that I, I think we, we talked about sci-fi a lot and you've talked about what makes sci-fi good, uh, for you. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one of the things that 
quality sci-fi has to achieve is you have to ground the story somehow. You have to make the story accessible in some way, and one of the best ways to do that is to ground your characters. You know, make your characters grounded in something. And you have this whole... There's kind of a backstory involved with Amy Adams, her her main character, that successfully grounds the story, I think, and makes the character believable and relatable. And then that allows you to access all the crazy sci-fi stuff that's, you know, all the science and all the physics mm-hmm. and the, you know, translation that goes on in there. It's all, that's all kind of above your head. But if you have a grounded character, you can access those things and at least relate to the character. And that gives you common ground to explore the, the weird science fiction stuff or the complicated science fiction stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think the movie pulled it off really well with Amy Adams. Um, I think Jeremy Renner, while while a serviceable character mm-hmm. and still semi interesting, I think there was a lot more meat on the bone there for that character as well. Yeah. Granted, he was the physicist as opposed to the linguist, mm-hmm. uh, like um, like Amy Adams was. So he had the lesser job. He was almost more of an assistant mm-hmm. um, throughout a lot of the uh, a lot of the film, but. Um, like I said, I, I just I feel like there was more meat on that bone. I feel like there was more to explore with his character. Um, I don't think it took away from the movie because I think we were so connected to Amy Adams that we didn't necessarily need to have a remarkably rich character with Jeremy Renner. But uh, I just I feel like they could have added it in without without leaving leaving part of his character on the cutting room floor. I guess I I agree, and they and they do some like. I like that. I like that he's a theoretical physicist, and like, there's at least twice in the movie. Like the first, uh, the first time we meet him, he, um, uh, I can't remember exactly what what was said, but he basically says like he's he expresses how he hopes that they, you know, they want to learn all these things about the aliens. He, he seems almost giddy with it and says like we want to know if, if they've gotten here with faster than light travel and right. Then like there's a moment later where there's like there's like a puzzle or like there's a, there's a, um, not puzzle, but, um, they have a question over something that the aliens that they, that they found. Um, that's vague enough. Um, and like his first thing was like, maybe it's a formula for fast travel. Yeah. It's like very, it's like, like you said, a big, a big feather in the cap of this movie is that it's so grounded in yeah. uh, realism and, and it's, it's a very grounded movie. And even when you said like, um, when it makes you accept all the crazy sci-fi stuff, even the crazy sci-fi stuff is presented in such a down-to-earth way. Yeah, that it's it's like it is so immersive the way that it happens because like this isn't a movie like um, and I hate to draw this comparison because they are way different movies, but this isn't a movie like um Independence Day where like okay the aliens arrive and we see how we react to it and then like though big blow blow them up fest and everything this is a just really grounded smart science fiction movie that's very thought-provoking and and has some really interesting things to say not only about um you know humanity and how we communicate with each other and and how we can um and how we would react to a situation like this but it also tells a very human story about this this character that like um this character faced with some tough uh, choices in the movie and it kind of has some broader themes about um, choice and the nature of choice and like dis- decisions that we can make that can affect our entire lives. It's a really great depiction of 
how how humans can react to certain situations. Agreed. Yeah, and, and to your point about uh, Jeremy Ren- Jeremy Renner's character, mm-hmm. uh, he's basically geeking out at the beginning. He is. He's like you know, like I said, we would you know, some people would sit around and have a thought exercise about a scenario like this, and Jeremy Renner's character, uh, his name his character name is Ian Donnelly. Mm-hmm. Um, he has had those kinds of conversations and those thought exercises before without question mm-hmm. he has that's he's done that before and he's getting to live it out in real life and so of course he's geeking out and he's like right. he's not even like i don't even think he's really like scared he's just like this mm-hmm. is exciting i want to do this let's go like this yeah. is gonna be fun let's get in there i want to know what and i want to know what they what they're doing and how they mm-hmm. got here and all these questions and he's yeah i i really appreciated his geekiness mm-hmm. uh throughout the movie the great thing about this movie is it's the type of movie that I'm definitely going to buy day one and watch watch again. I'm going to mm-hmm. see this several times, and this is going to be a movie that's going to stay with me, I think, um, for a while. And we can dive more into uh, the minutiae of it and spoilers and talk about more specific things. But I just want to mention a couple things um, before we do that. Um, one is um, this movie, I feel, could have... Uh, really benefited from uh the work of roger deakins which he uh is is dp on several of denny villeneuve's movies he is responsible for the look of um prisoners and sicario which even though even though i didn't like sicario just on a movie level in general that movie is is freaking beautiful like Mm. It is the way that some of the shots are composed, the way that it's, the way that it's lit, and it just the work of Roger Deakins is freaking astounding. And this movie, I'm really kind of disappointed that um, Deakins didn't work on it. It was uh, the DP on it was Bradford Young, who I think he did a fine job. I, it didn't really stand out to me. Um, in fact, there were a bunch of scenes, and I don't know if this is was intentional or or what but there were a lot of scenes i felt that were just a little dark like just darkly lit and like uh faces were shrouded in in shadow uh in a lot of scenes and it, it's just something that i just didn't connect with and didn't understand what the point of was that like there was a scene where um i think forrest whitaker is talking to amy adams and i can't remember exactly what uh, what they're talking about, but it, I mean, they're like both shrouded in darkness and it's, it's just kind of, it didn't really, I didn't really understand it. Um, and that kind of didn't take me out of the movie, but it kind of made me wish that we had something more like, uh, uh, Roger Deakins has in the past. I agree. I, and in the past and with the, with the visually stunning movies, I've talked about, uh, a director or a director of photography or mm-hmm. a set designer or, any kind of creative person involved with the film having a signature of some kind. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I agree with you. I think this movie kind of, I'd say it almost lacked a visual signature that yeah. really, you look at it and say, that's unique or that's something I attribute to this director or this director of photography or something like that. And clearly you had that reaction. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I wasn't as familiar with, with Roger Deakins or, or his his style, I'm not I'm not accustomed to it, but I could tell that this didn't necessarily have anything to set it apart from other uh, visual, highly visual science fiction movies. I don't I don't think mm-hmm. there was anything that really set it apart that much. Again, not to say it was bad. It was it was a really 
really beautiful movie and and lots of uh there's some fantastic establishing shots mm-hmm. of the uh the craft and some landscape work that i think was really really well done um but again it it wasn't especially unique or there wasn't anything again to set it apart so uh it's it i don't know if you could call it, call it a drawback but i think it could have been even further improved the movie itself could have been even further improved or even better with a truly talented director of photography. Yeah. Um, I, I could, it felt like a, a Denis Villeneuve movie. Like I think mm-hmm. it, his signature was there, but I think yeah. there were some other things maybe that were missing just a little bit. Um, following that thread, I really enjoyed the music in several spots of this movie. I did too. Especially when they're, uh, going into the ship for the first time, there's like this really, um, this really powerful and abrupt music that they use. It's, it's, it's like, it's a very peak and valley kind of, kind of song. Um, there'll be this like really brash and harsh. I don't know my instruments that well, but a very, I don't know either. <laughs> yeah, like a very harsh, uh, abrupt influx of sound and music mm-hmm. and, and instruments. And then it'll very quickly, uh, go away and you have almost silence. Yeah. And it was, it was just really, it really jumped out. Like it really jumped out when I was watching, watching this part of the movie and it made those scenes. It's just people walking in a tunnel essentially, Mm -hmm. but it was just super powerful. And I think the music really brought that scene together. And, and I think you can say that of several scenes throughout Mm -hmm. this movie, uh, were, were enhanced and, and really had the music make the scene Mm -hmm. in, in several scenes throughout the movie. I felt like the music at times kind of uh, reminded me, and this is this, maybe this is an easy comparison, or maybe um, maybe it was something that I was looking for more than it was there. But um, it kind of evoked memories of uh, 2001: A Space Odyssey. Yeah, like that, and and that is something I really appreciated. I can, I, yeah, I think so too. It also made me think a little bit of uh, Altered States. Oh yeah, which has very, very uh, abrupt and harsh music. Kind of mm-hmm. made me think of that a little bit. Yeah, it's it, it was really good. I, I honestly, I didn't even look up who the composer was. Um, it was a uh, yo. Um, hang on, I'll, I'll look it up. But I know that some parts of the music, um, it wasn't necessarily all him. Like okay. like the music was composed by him, but they also used a couple tracks from. Um, Max Richter, who okay. and I promise this will be the only time I, uh, I, I bring this up because I've talk about it a lot all the time in the history of this podcast. But he, uh, he did the, uh, score for the first episode of this recent season of Black Mirror. Okay. Yep. And that's like the only, the only score from Black Mirror that's available, like to purchase. Oh, okay. And I bought it because it's amazing. Interesting um, for the episode nosedive, but anyway, um, the composer for this, uh, the score was uh, done by Johan Johansson. Okay, yeah, yeah, he uh, was composer for um, all Denny Villeneuve's other work, and then also uh, Theory of Everything. Okay, and, and some other stuff. Nice. Um, yeah, and is there anything else that we should go over before we dive into spoilers? Um. I think that's about it. <laughs> I think so too. And there's a lot that we can discuss here in spoilers. So, um, what we're going to do is we're going to go ahead and give you guys a chance to skip over the spoilers. Um, 
and uh, basically I'll I'll play a trailer from I'll play a clip from the trailer uh, to give you time to skip over the spoilers. You can check the show notes to find timestamps to when you can jump over to our potpourri section, and those show notes are also available at obsessiveviewer.com slash ov one nine three. And so, yeah, uh, we'll go into spoilers here in a moment. There are days that define your story beyond your life. Like the day they arrived. Signs of what might be called first contact. The objects measure at least... I'm Colonel G.T. Webber from Army Intelligence. Pack your bags. You're at the top of everyone's list when it comes to translations. Priority one. What do they want? Where are they from? You'll be reporting to me, but you'll be working with him. When you're in the show, that's what they call him, the UFO. Who's being carted off in the medevac? Not everyone is wired for what you're about to do. So what do they look like? You'll see soon enough. Every 18 hours, a door opens up. That's where we go in. Okay, so spoilers on for Denis Villeneuve's Arrival. Uh, once again, we're going to dive into spoilers here, and there's a lot to unpack in, in the spoiler section for this movie, so let's just dive right in. Tiny, what did you think of... We talked in, in our our spoiler-free review a lot about Amy Adams' character and, and everything, and we did, we neglected, at least I, I guess by design, neglected to even mention the the subplot involving her and her daughter. And mm-hmm. I guess to kick off spoilers, um, there's so much to that subplot, but the opening scene, like this was a, this was a movie where I watched the first scene and the first scene shows her basically narrating the first years of her daughter's life and then revealing that her daughter dies at a young age. Mm-hmm. And like the way that that is just presented to us right at the outset in the 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 beauty of the words used for the narration like i was like that was the moment where i was like oh man this movie this is going to do something to me yeah. <laughs> it was just it was incredible um and talk about a gut punch when when you know we see that she's dead i was just like i i think i audibly not gasped but i was like oh man like i kind of did yeah. like one of those cuz i was already invested so how did you feel about the story of her and her child before the reveal that it's, that it was, you know, science fictiony. I, I had the same reaction. Um, this may be a kind of a, a strange comparison, but it reminded me of the opening scenes of the movie up. Yeah. A little bit. It slaps you in the face with it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, th- we're going to, we're going to go deep in this movie and you're going to, you're going to like it and you're going to react to this. You're going to have an emotional reaction to this <laughs> right. and deal with it because that's, that's what's going to get you into this movie. Mm-hmm. And, I talked about grounding the characters that they they don't even start out with any goofy alien stuff or any exactly. any science at all. They immediately go, "This is your character. This is the guide through this story. This is your in to this story and to the what we're going to do here. And this is why it's important because of this that happened to her in her life. Mm-hmm. And it just it, it puts it right up on the screen. And and like you said, you're instantly invested." And and it it was really well done, while also being exactly what the audience needs. Like like it was it was it was so effective and so I would almost say it was like formulaic to get you 
involved in the story, but it was so well done and so necessary that you don't really care mm-hmm. that it was formulaic. Um, I, I agree. That was just a, an incredible way to kick off the movie and it, it, it was, it was perfect. Absolutely. And the fact that they kept cutting to it, it, a lesser movie or a lesser, um, a movie that was put together with less care than this movie was put together with could have just exploited that as the twist. Like it could mm-hmm. have just, the entire movie could have been built around the fact that she was actually experiencing memories of the future. Mm-hmm. Um, having flash forwards of a child that hasn't been born yet or conceived yet or uh, what have you. Um, it could, the entire movie could have been centered around that. But when it gets to that point, I just, I did not like, I was so on board with the movie that it felt like it didn't, it didn't evoke the, um, the, oh my God, what a twist thing. Like, right. oh, Bruce Willis was dead the whole time kind of thing. It was like yeah. a, oh my God, like this is, this is what's happening. And it was just kind of like I was discovering the movie as it was just showing itself to me. Right. Um, I agree. It could have, it could have been cheap. Mm-hmm. It could have been uh, gimmicky, and, mm-hmm. and it really wasn't. It was, it they used they used that tactic or they went that direction because it made sense, not because it was shocking and they were trying to, you know, play at your emotions, I guess. Um, but while while we're on this thread and talking about this, mm-hmm. was it? I guess I guess I understood it, but I I just thought it was weird that she was um, she was basically having these. They weren't dreams. She was having like memories, right? Throughout the first part of this movie, that as the audience we thought it was flashbacks to a t- her a time earlier in her life where she lost her daughter. We come to find out that it's actually events in the future where she's going to have a daughter mm-hmm. uh, with Jeremy Renner, mm-hmm. and uh, that's those are the memories she's having, right? Uh, but they're actually in the future, so. It's weird to me that the the crux of the conflict, the I guess the climax is that she figures out the formula that the aliens gave to her. Uh, <laughs> it's and a it's, little circular. It, it's kind of weird. It kind of threw me because she basically has this epiphany where she understands their formula, and it's basically it almost rewires your brain to think the same way that they to that they do, and it allows you to perceive time differently. But throughout the whole movie, she's been perceiving time differently. And it's like, why, why would she, it's just weird that she would be, she would be experiencing what are essentially memories of something that didn't happen to her. And it's, it's, it's just, I, I feel like she would react differently or she'd be more vocal about that with other people. The, I think that I I think I can feel this one tiny. Okay. Um when there's a moment in the movie where Jeremy Renner says to her uh it's kind of it's kind of a it, at the time it's kind of a throwaway line okay. where he says that you know there are theories where um that say that when you when you study someone's uh, someone else's language and and are, uh, immerse yourself in another language you start thinking in that language. And I think mm-hmm. that's what's hap- that's what happened to her throughout the movie is that she's immersing herself in the alien language and the nature of the alien language is that they can perceive time and communicate that perception of time um throughout it and so she's kind of she isn't given superpowers or anything like that she's just she's just opening like her studying this this alien language is opening her mind to uh perception of time the way that the aliens have can perceive time 
that was my read on it. And I feel like the, like that's, they can kind of be poke holes in it by saying that the, the opening scene is her having a memory of it. But I think that that's more, we're seeing we're, like that's more us showing it's outside the timeline of the movie right okay yeah that's that was how i was because i kind of had that same thought too i was like well like as i was driving home i was like well wait she was like she was having all these things and I, like i remember thinking like well that one scene where she has this weird dream sequence where she's uh i think it's like when he when he uh asks her something and maybe that scene or he may be asking if she's okay or having visions and stuff and then she's like, no. And then she looks and there's that, there's the alien there, uh, vision of it. But then I realized that, no, that's just her brain is re- rewiring itself to, um, to be on the same, uh, level as, as the aliens. Mm-hmm. That's my, that's my read on it at least. And that's one of the reasons why I'm really excited to see this movie again. I honestly, if I, if I had the time, I would have, uh, gone to the movie theater again last night to see it like yeah. i wanted to so badly yeah i, I didn't, didn't really like to, yeah i can't wait to see it again as well and yeah. ma- maybe it'll make a little more sense to me when i mm-hmm. when i uh see it again yeah yeah so the actual um the actual twist the the reveal that she can see the future like um it hit me with with it, or it it comes with more poignancy than than it would have with uh uh, if it was played for a gimmick, because this entire movie isn't about her communicating with the aliens. It isn't about, you know, world peace or anything so much as it is about her confronted with the realization that she's going to have a child. That child is going to die young. She's going to, her husband and her are going to divorce. And it's, it's this incredible choice where she, like she she's confronted with this choice of whether or not knowing all of the terrible stuff that's going to happen um knowing the pain that she's going to feel later does she still make those choices does she still allow herself to to go through those things does she does she alter her life when confronted with that future and those those kind of thought experiments and those kinds of uh those those thought experiments are things that, like that's stuff that I do on a daily basis. Yeah, <laughs> like I think about questions like that, and that's why this movie spoke to me so so strongly because it just is the visual representation of those those thoughts that I have, and it's just it's a really powerful human um, thing to show because it, it's such a human reaction what she has, and it's such a a beautiful depiction of that in a very grounded and, and down to earth way, even though it's, it's uh very heavy science fiction. Yeah. Okay. That's true. <laughs> I disagree. No, I'm kidding. Oh, yeah. no, that's, that's yeah, I guess I hadn't really thought about it mm-hmm. or I hadn't, uh, I hadn't made that connection, but that does make a lot of sense. Yeah. Cause there's a scene where, um, I think, well, actually there's a scene where she, after she's shown that, um, after she's shown by the aliens that, uh, she's, you know, she can see the future. Um, there's a scene where she's talking to Jeremy Renner after she realizes that, Oh, she's going to have a baby with this guy. Um, uh, um, Lois Lane and and Hawkeye are going to get down. (laughs) And, um, and then there's a moment where, where she asks him like point blank. She's like, if you could, if you knew the future, if you knew, the terrible things that lie ahead of you, would you be able to, to make the decisions or would you change it? Or I don't remember exactly how she said it, but that was a moment that I just, I really loved. I loved this freaking movie so much. Me too. I really did. Um, 
yeah so um let's see do do, do uh anything else on that matter or should we do other discussion <laughs> yeah one of the things i well one of the things i wanted to talk about was the fact that uh this is kind of a common thread amongst this sort of alien invasion uh scenario is how humanity chooses to work uh, either against each other or with each other mm-hmm. that's always an interesting thing to watch play out and it, again it was it was really integral to the story and uh i i really appreciated the i think the what i would call the authenticity of it to where mm-hmm. you know internationally uh, we're all like pretty petty really right. when you think about it it's all it's all about grandstanding and who's the most powerful and it's it's Building very walls. right <laughs> um it's all very um clumsy and mm-hmm. and petty petty is the right word i think it's it's chi- it's kind of childish um and so to see those characteristics come through in a very realistic way was i think i think this is one of the better uh, better versions of that scenario playing itself out. Um, you know, someone someone makes a move, and then every other country and government reacts to it. Yeah, and you know, it's it's all about like, okay, well, what are they doing? And it's like, well, what what do they know? Are they telling us the whole truth? Mm. We know we're not telling them the whole truth, so maybe they're not. It's it's just all this. It's like it's like spy games and like mind mm-hmm. games. It's very it's very cloak and dagger, and it's all. It's all. It's interesting to see who's going to make what move and who's going to do what, and that that whole human aspect to the science fiction makes it makes it really interesting and fascinating to watch. That you know, despite this re, just absolutely incredible scenario that's that all of humanity is getting to experience, we're all being really petty and like yeah. talking shit about each other. It's it's really right. ridiculous, but again, you know, we talk, we talk about it grounding grounding the story and mm-hmm. and making sense, and it's 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 a drama that that I think all of us can relate to and it's 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 interesting to watch despite the ridiculousness of it I guess absolutely and that that kind of goes to the realism of it that that is how we would react to that kind of thing mm-hmm. and I love that there's this ambiguity over for a lot of the movie an ambiguity over what what the intentions of the aliens are right and what I love about it is that this movie isn't an alien invasion movie it's in alien visit and watch us react movie right like they don't do anything and they i mean the communication the you know the there's a there's a bit of a communication barrier there mm-hmm. but i it's just it's fascinating to me to see that as a concept we have uh just on the conceptual level we just have 12 um i think it was 12 um different crafts on different different parts of the parts of the globe and then to see how humanity reacts to that and see how we uh communicate with each other as well as with the aliens and how we how there's so there's a lack of communication here and there it's just it's really fascinating to see how that goes the, how that goes about um or how that unfolds and one of the one of the other kind of false for the movie to me and I may feel differently when I revisit it but um I kind of feel like like Michael Stuhlbarg's character I kind of feel like he I I love that guy as an actor I really yeah. do but I feel like he was maybe not underused or miscast but maybe misused <laughs> Okay like I feel like they didn't really 
do the uh, the, the legwork to really show what his what his not necessarily what his job there was, but why he was kind of uh, I guess antagonistic or against the uh, why why he was so um, focused on on not letting them do what what they needed to do essentially. Uh, yeah, he was kind of a. I mean, he he was wanting to push things a certain way, and I, I kind of wish that they would have explored that more. At least that's my read on it. Yeah, he was he was a big stereotype, really. Yeah, you know the uh, the the CIA agent, the intelligence guy who's always looking for the next piece of intel, mm-hmm. just because it's kind of like it's almost like ambition. Like, well, I want to be the guy who has all the information because it's going to make me look good. It's my job, as opposed to like not recognizing the situation you're in and that, you know, this is an unprecedented moment in human history and you're treating it like an intelligence gathering mission, right. you know, and he's, he was, like you said, super antagonistic to an annoying degree, mm-hmm. um, which I think is maybe realistic. I, I mean, I don't know. No one knows how the hell the CIA operates, <laughs> right. but you know, he, he, at least from, from a fiction standpoint, that character is always, a stereotype. He's always yeah. an extreme. You know, it's never just the random CIA dude. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I don't know if I would call his character a fault. I think he was kind of a. He was just he was just another cog in the story machine, and I think he needed to be there to to create conflict and mm-hmm. and drive the characters. I think I think he played a big role. Um, he, he felt a little more functional than than anything else. Like I wish that they yeah. would have fleshed out his motivations and his character a bit more. Right. His mo- that's true. His motivations a good word cuz we mm-hmm. don't we didn't necessarily know what his was at all right. at all times. So yeah. Yeah, I I think Michael Stolbarg's just so awesome that it's hard to I agree. hard to find fault with what he does. He really is fantastic. But, uh, but I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Um so once we get the reveal that that she can perceive time differently. Um well, well. First, let, let's back up a little bit. There's a bomb in the in the thing. Yeah. That moment, that that sequence was really pretty remarkable, and mm-hmm. it kind of goes back to us talking about the the shift in gravity, um, and 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 you know, uh, them entering the craft. And um, Denis Villeneuve, he he's working on the Blade Runner sequel. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's coming out next, like next year. Um, and it's he and Roger Deakins is working on it with him too. So. Nice. Um, so that movie, like th- that moment in this movie where they enter the craft and there's that shift in gravity, they, they have, it's just this beautiful shot where they, they're on the lift and then, and then they climb in and they're just on, they're on the wall. And then we get that shot of them, um, in front of them with the camera showing like, like how deep they are and, and how far down it is. It's just, it's a very, it's a very jarring shot. And that made me very eager to see what he does with Blade Runner. Cause that's, I mean, that, that he, that would be amazing. Um, that just what he can do in that, in that world. Mm-hmm. But, um, there's a, uh, the moment where, where the bomb goes off in the, in the ship. It's just, I kind of wish there was a little bit more developed on, on why that was. I kind of wish there was not necessarily build up, but kind of like a, uh, I guess maybe a secret like plan to do that. It kind of felt sudden. That's like, oh, they're just gonna blow up the aliens. It kind of felt like it was a little um, underdeveloped there. But I liked the lead up to it because I mean that was that was incredibly tense for me, 
And uh, I liked how it was done and, and the visuals of it were just remarkable. What did you think of that uh, sequence and, and of that element of the story, Tiny? I appreciated it. It, it reminded me a lot of the, the movie Contact mm. where there's the whole culty kind of reaction to the the anti-science reaction to it, I guess. Mm. Um, and there's a, a bomb in that movie as well. Uh, spoiler alert. Um, it reminded me of that. Uh, but I think it I think it made sense in this movie and I think it was, it was used much more subtly and it, it, uh, to better effect in, in, in my opinion. Um, I, I liked that part cause it's, it, it kind of shows, you know, we're displaying, uh, the, we're displaying what it is to be human in the movie and the aliens are ex- experiencing that for the first time. And we don't really think of it from their perspective. Mm-hmm. And that that moment, I think, provided the audience a, a good opportunity to like look at look at the humanity displayed in the film uh, from the perspective of the aliens. And that okay, why do I have this? You know, the aliens are like, why, why do we have this really great working relationship with these two people? But then these other people bring a bomb in and try to kill us. Mm-hmm. Like you know, it's it, ma- it makes you think. It's it's a thought provoking aspect to the story and and i think it's it's an important thing to watch and it's uh it's it's a good experience to add into this kind of this kind of movie again a little bit i don't know if i'd say formulaic but it's a little i kind of expected some kind of reaction or some kind of anti you know anti science or kind of zealotry right uh, kind of reaction to this um and I, I think I sort of disagree with you. I think I think it was led up to really well. And okay. I think it was again, I think the subtlety of it made it satisfying. See, um, I just and yeah, maybe my opinion will change when I revisit it, but um I just felt like there was talk about about they like they should attack them, but it, I felt like it was just I feel like after the explosion there's kind of this my memory is that there's kind of this throwaway line that's like, oh, there was just, you know, a couple of uh couple of soldiers who who took it upon themselves like that kind of that kind of thing and mm. it felt like there was there should have been more to that than uh than just that plot line the reaction to it and the fallout from it was a little underdone mm-hmm. i will say that but you're right it's like oh yeah it was, they were they just said oh it was just a couple of rogue soldiers doing their own thing right when it was really a much bigger than much bigger deal than that um but i i got it though i think it made sense from thinking militaristically you know it's like it's like a preemptive strike it's yeah it's a posturing move it's not necessarily an attack it's it's a display of strength you know it's it's one of those things and i can understand why a uh, militarily inclined individual like those soldiers would go down that path and feel like we need to do this to protect ourselves i i, I can understand how they got there and again i think it was used to good effect in the movie Okay, that's that's fine. Yeah, um, yeah I, I think I'd still have issues with it, so we may have to agree to disagree. Okay. But um, what I do want to mention about that is uh, seeing that juxtaposed with I – guess, I guess when I revisit it, maybe I'll feel better about this because the way that it's um, – like we see a lot of Amy Adams and, and Jeremy Renner's perception of, of the aliens and then we see how the military is, is working with other – government agencies and they're, they're all working together and it's kind of a fragile um, coexisting there and everything. And then we see shots throughout the movie of 
civil unrest throughout the or throughout the world um, after the aliens arrive. And I think that's a really important thing to depict in the movie. And I think that they handled that quite well because that, that's done enough uh, throughout the movie that it's it's uh, it's developed well to show what the human reaction outside of the people inside working on it are. Uh, so I, I just appreciated that aspect of it and, um, yeah. Agreed. Yeah. I think the, that's another kind of interesting, uh, human aspect to explore with this kind of story is what is, how does the public react to it? And, and there wasn't a lot of it in the movie. I didn't think there needed to be a lot of it necessarily. Right. Um, I feel, again, it was a, more of a subtle approach to that, to that aspect of the story. Um, and I, I thought it worked out fine. I think you can, you could make a whole other movie about, the the ground reaction to that i guess um and and we've kind of gotten that in some other movies and those movies sucked so right <laughs> yeah right um yeah so kind of i'm uh, i think we're running out of things to say yeah but i do want to mention the ending the mm-hmm. the kind of uh time loopy circular kind of uh time travel thing where she <laughs> She remembers that she tells, like she has a vision of the future of of the, uh, um, I think it's, uh, I don't know if it was General, but uh, uh, Shang, the the Chinese military guy, mm-hmm. um, who like they they were on the brink of World War Three, and and she has a vision that uh, she speaks to him at an engagement down the road that's like presumably you know world peace, hey cool stuff, um, and he says he he says to her that. Um, you called me and you said something that I'll never forget. And then he says, you told me my, uh, what my wife said on her deathbed or something to that effect. Then he tells her what he says. And then in the present, she steals a satellite phone, calls him and, uh, and you know, everything's good. And that's, and I, I love time travel. I, I love it. I love it more than, uh, I love it as a storytelling device. Um, so that doesn't bother me. Just the circular logic of it is kind of like, it kind of it's uh, just interesting, interesting to me. I don't have a problem with it, but I can see how other people would have a problem with it. And Tiny, how do you feel about the fact that she knew what to say because the because the general told her what to say after she said it in the past? I. I thought it's I thought it's a fun little time loopy thing. I mm-hmm. I enjoy that kind of stuff. You know, we we're both uh fans of time travel and oh, yes. that's one of those things. It's it's almost like one of those you know, one of those quirky lines that you get. It's like I don't know, like it's not where we're going, it's when, you know, it's one of those goofy <laughs> lines like that. And mm-hmm. obviously it wasn't that tongue in cheek in that way. It wasn't meant in a in a comical fashion, but it's one of those cool things you get to do when you use time travel. Mm-hmm. Um and I I appreciated it. I thought it was very um, kind of inspiring because it it's it appeals on such an emotional level, mm-hmm. and and it was the result of such an emotional thing. Um, I, I again, I just think those the movie wasn't about time travel, and it didn't even it didn't even attempt to establish the rules of how time travel works in this example. It just says, you know, it just laid it out very plainly to where you just kind of know, you know how it works. And, and it was, it was used to, it was used to change the world. And, and yeah. I guess it's, it, it's such an integral part of the story 
I think it was, uh, I think, it, I think it was a, the, the right thing to do. I think it was a logical, a logical step to take in the story. And I don't know. I, I really didn't have a problem with it at all. I agree. And I, like I said, I didn't have a problem with it either. Or anything I can see how other people would have a problem with it. Okay. Yeah. And one of the things that I thought in general, I mean, it's kind of cheesy in this kind of, kind of story of like, Oh, they suddenly like, this event has suddenly brought about world peace. And then I didn't really click with me until just this moment when we're talking about it. But, um, the, it, it works here because the idea in, in my head is that she learned this language and by learning this language, she can perceive time, which means, and then she, then she wrote a book um, titled the universal language in a very George McFly uh, fashion, she opens a opens a box of her not of her book um, about the alien language. So theoretically, you know, every world leader, many like like most of the planet, most of the literate planet can read this book and then learn this language. I mean, maybe that's not as as easy a <laughs> as easy a uh, bridge as I'm making it, but right. if like the planet can adopt this language or um, can study this language and then perceive time in a different way, then that would be, that's world peace there because, right. because, and I think part of the, part of the, one of the themes of this movie, one of the themes of this movie is that we can't see what's in the future. We don't know what's going to happen. That's kind of uh, what's depicted in the, in, in the room with the the military angle of it is that they don't know what the other, what the other people are going to do. They don't know what the aliens intentions are. They don't, there are so many variables that are going to lead to, um, war and, and just terrible events. But if they can perceive time in a different way that can achieve world peace. So that's, that's my, that's my justification for why I didn't have a problem with them being like, Oh, everything's all hunky dory at the end of the day in the future. Okay. Yeah, so I feel like we've talked this movie out a little yeah. bit. Um, uh, where is it going to rank on? Well, is it going to make your top ten list? Uh, yeah, it yeah. it will. It'll be probably. I don't know where it's going to end up, but it's going to be on the list. I I would probably guess in the middle somewhere. Yeah, I it's probably going to be pretty high for me. It could uh, very well be. Um, it it could very well be number one. Wow. Yep. Nice. And speaking of number one, um, or speaking of it being number one, that's a rough transition, but we posted <laughs> <laughs> in the Facebook group, which you can find at facebook.com slash the obsessive viewer. Um, in the Facebook group, I posted, uh, tonight we're recording a review of Arrival. If you've seen the movie, let us know what you thought in the comments. And we got two responses because I, I don't think a lot of people went out to see Arrival. Um, a uh, friend and frequent guest Robert Feckus, who uh, I asked him if he wanted to be on the podcast today, and he said no because he's getting his uh, first uh, consultation for his first or his first session for his uh, new tattoo. That's going to be all Star Wars theme, a Star Wars sleeve, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't mean that's where I'm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, also, it's date night with the with the misses. Yeah. So I I told him that uh, I said so. You're saying your marriage is more important than being a guest on my podcast. Real cool, Feckus. Real cool. <laughs> um, and then he said, I hear y'all file for divorce tomorrow. 
So anyway, um, but he said his response to the question on the Facebook group was, loved it, number one for the year, most unique take on an alien invasion film I have seen. And uh, I thought that was very, uh, very good. Um, I agree, and we'll see how it shakes out when I do my top ten list. Yeah, me too. Yep. And then uh, friend of the show, Tony Troxel, uh, who we may be getting on the Rogue One episode. Nice. Maybe, possibly. Um he said it's on my must it's on my need to see list but time has been short i sadly might have to wait until blu-ray and i'm very curious what he thinks about what he'll think about it because he is um obviously you know well versed in science fiction right so uh let's see that does it for our review of arrival we've arrived at the end of our review oh boy Yep. So to um, to wind down the podcast, we're going to go into our potpourri section, which, uh, let's see, potpourri is the section of the podcast where we can talk about anything that we've watched lately, anything that we're into, um, anything we want, as long as it smells good. And Tiny, are you only going to bring up the one thing we discussed? Or are you going to bring up, are you going to, do you want to give your thoughts on Doctor Strange as well? Um, I can briefly discuss my thoughts on Doctor Strange. Okay. Why don't you get us kicked off with that and then I'll give mine and then you can give your, uh, interesting one sure yeah so i i had trouble trying to get out to the theater to see dr strange mm-hmm. um i just have i've had a ton going on the last couple of weeks so i went to see it um finally in the theater um and i i liked it a lot i I'm, i knew i was gonna like it because it's it's something a little bit different than what we've been getting from marvel lately and uh benedict cumberbatch is awesome so I was really, I was expecting to like it. Um, and I certainly did. I think it had, um, I really just love the visuals of it, you know, altering the universe that you're in or basically changing the, the aspects of physics is an just incredible thing to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was really satisfying. Um, I loved the comic relief throughout it. I thought it was great. Um, but in its cover batch, the, the character of Stephen Strange is, uh, very fun to watch. He's similar to uh, Tony Stark. Mm-hmm. You know, he's got that cockiness to him, um, but still, may, you know, he's still his own character. He's not. He's not a derivation of of Tony Stark. Um, so those are the things I loved about it. Um, I, I I just kind of feel like the plot was a little bit forgettable. Interesting. The movie itself was almost just a little bit forgettable. I I would still give it like a strong seven. Maybe mm-hmm. seven and a half out of ten, um, but I I wasn't like blown away by it. You know, I don't I don't know that Doctor Strange is like my new favorite Marvel character or anything like that. Um, but it was it was definitely an enjoyable movie. I want to see it again to see if it holds up. Um, I think it did have a villain problem that we've we've talked about yeah. several times in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. The villain was a little misguided and a little plain, maybe. Um, so yeah, I, I thought it was, it was a good movie and I'm, I'm excited to see Stephen Strange team up with some of the Avengers and, and interact with other, uh, Marvel heroes. That's going to be terrific dialogue. Um, that's going to be really good. So I'm really looking forward to that. I think he, he's a great character. He was a great introduction to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, but I'm more excited about what's going to happen in the future as opposed to the movie we saw. Interesting. Yeah. Nice. Did you listen to the review I did with Fekus? I haven't had a chance yet. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Um. Sorry. No, no, no. That's cool. So you, 
So you can like teleport to and from work. You don't like listen to things. <laughs> you don't have to drive distance. <laughs> I mean, hey, blame We Are Libertarians. They've been putting out like two and a half hour long episodes. That's true. I actually did I listen mean, to their entire uh, post-election one. Yeah. Uh, which I was interesting. But anyway, um, that's cool. That's yeah. cool. Uh, your paycheck may be, you know, uh, a little late. This paycheck. Um, <clears throat> P- paycheck. Y- y- yeah. <laughs> and you don't mean the the charmingly underrated movie with Ben Affleck? Is it really charmingly underrated? Hell no, it's awful. Okay, I was gonna say. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that went off the rails. Anyway, yeah. um, interesting. You know, it's funny because in the review, um, I actually I think one of my uh, I don't really remember what all I said, but uh, I I didn't connect with the comic relief that much. Oh, really? Yeah. So you'll have to listen to the review to find out uh, what uh, what else I thought of it. Okay, but, I will. Yeah. Good, good. I will. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I forgot that there was a really great pun. I'll hear it in the episode. <laughs> no, no, it wasn't in the episode. It was like, I, I felt terrible because uh, we did our Facebook post uh, in the Facebook group, and Pony Troxel, um, he posted that he, he had a review on his on his website, so I'll put a link to that in the show notes again. And then I felt bad because when I read the... Um, when I read the comments, I didn't, I didn't mention his other comment. He said, seriously though, not my favorite Marvel Cinematic Universe movie. I still love Guardians of the Galaxy, but it was towards the top. Beautiful, beautiful effects. Good job by Benedict Cumberbund. And <laughs> Benedict Wong was just a gift as Wong. He was Wongderful. <laughs> nice. So I appreciated that so much. But nice. Yeah. Anyway, uh, check out our episode. It was uh, the last episode, OV-192, for our full review, my full review with Fekus of Doctor Strange. And let's see, uh, should I go ahead and uh, bring up my puppery? Sure. Okay, so I have not been able to watch much uh, lately because I actually, I didn't mention this. I was going to mention this uh, at the top for some reason, but um, I had a really busy weekend, Tiny. Um because I, over the course of a weekend, I recorded five episodes of anthology. Holy crap. And that includes prepping them, doing like all the, all the legwork and everything. Like I recorded, like it's ridiculous. So I was like super proud of myself, but, um, I'll, I'll actually talk briefly about this while I'm on that subject and then I'll go into my real potpourri. But, um, it's funny that Arrival came out at the time it did because last weekend before I saw this movie, I, um, watched a movie for anthology. Anthology is my solo side project podcast, but the format of it is I review one episode of the twilight zone. And then I have a bonus review of a related movie or show. So in the coming weeks on anthology, I'm going to be reviewing an episode of the twilight zone. And then a bonus review is going to be for this movie from 1957 called the 27th day. And this movie is, it was, it's really interesting because the movie is about, for, for context, I watched this a few days before arrival, or it may have been a week before arrival, actually, um, or earlier in the week. And so this movie is about, it's called The 27th Day. It's about, um, an alien ship that abducts five different people on the planet Earth. And they bring them aboard a spaceship. They sit them down. They say, you guys are representatives of Earth. So 
um, you like it, it's you know the late fifties Cold War and everything. He's like, well, the aliens like you guys are on the brink of destroying your species and the planet. We need this planet. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to give each one of you a capsule. This capsule is a weapon that if you if uh, you can telepathically open it up and then you can give it um, location for it to launch and it will wipe out uh, and it, it has like some spread of, of the world. Um, it'll wipe out the human race but leave the planet intact. Wow. So, yeah, so there are five different people from different from different countries from different areas from different um from from different standings and everything there are some people in the military there are just just civilians um it's a it's a diverse group and they're each handed one of these and then they're set out to on the planet and the whole time i'm watching this i'm thinking holy crap this is a this is a really compelling um plot like this is this is something that I would love to see updated, and then and then I go and see Arrival, which has very similar, uh, s- some similarities to it. But mm-hmm. um, at the end of the day, the twenty seventh day was not. I mean, it was it was kind of a kind of B B movie, a, a little bit B movie. Some of the some of the things that it was trying to say were, were really on the nose, and it was kind of uh, uh, disappointing. Not disappointing, but it it was. I mean, it was a solid movie. I actually didn't uh usually with like usually when i pick my bonus reviews for anthology i um i usually pick something that is like easily accessible so like i worst worst case scenario i'll get something that i'll have to rent from google play or usually it's like an old classic episode of uh, an anthology show from back in the day that i can watch on youtube for free but in this case, it wasn't available anywhere. It wasn't even available digitally to buy or rent. So I actually had to buy a DVD of, um, it's actually right there, tiny. Um, it's, uh, it's like six vintage science fiction movies. So that's one of them. But anyway, um, that, that was, that turned into its own potpourri segment. But, um, yeah, that's the 27th day. I'll talk about it in more detail. Or probably in the about the same amount of detail <laughs> in an upcoming episode of Anthology, which can be found at anthologypod.com. And then, Tiny, do you want to go ahead and go ahead and do yours, and then I'll I'll do one to wrap us up, and then we'll call it a night. Yeah, sure. Okay. So my other entry for uh, for potpourri is also going to be pretty brief, uh, mostly out of embarrassment. Um, <laughs> my fiance has been watching Gilmore Girls. She's never seen any of it before. Um, and so she's watching through it for the first time. It's on uh, Netflix. And uh, I just by happenstance have, or just by situation, have watched some of it. Um, and I, that show was never on my radar because it's called Gilmore Girls. And, you know, mm-hmm. I, I knew what it's about. It's it's about basically about a daughter's relationship with her mother. That's basically what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just never on my radar because it's like, how am I going to relate to this show? Um, and... And I think that's like I think the people who created the show were like, yeah, we realize that this is going to appeal to a pretty specific demographic. Um, so let's not even necessarily try to appeal to another demographic. Um, but I, I've watched some of the show, and 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 yeah, I, I have trouble connecting with a lot of it because it's ninety five percent of the show is people talking to each other, um, and of that ninety five percent, seventy percent of it is the daughter having conversations with and interacting with her mother. Um, so, you know, I, 
it's, it's hard for me to find something to connect to there. Um, but having watched some of it, what, what blow, blows me away about the show is that the characters are phenomenal. Nice. They are so good. Lauren Graham playing Lorelai Gilmore, the, mm-hmm. the mother of the show, is hysterical. Like, she's like a dream girl because she's so... <laughs> I think she's smoking hot, first mm-hmm. of all. And secondly, she's incredible. she has an incredible sense of humor. She's hilarious. And she's just a charming, fun person. Like, very free-spirited, fun person. And so her character is just great to watch just because of how she reacts to things. She, she's just really funny. Nice. Um, and, you know, the, the teenage daughter is really really smart and intelligent and is able to keep up with everybody. Um, uh, play, uh, Alexis Bledel. Alexis Bledel. Did Bledel, you say that yeah. already? I didn't, no. Yeah, okay. Uh, and then... What's her um, character's name again? Um, Rory Gilmore. Rory, there you go. Yeah. Uh, and then the kind of the male lead, Scott Patterson is the actor, plays Luke. He's the owner of a local, the diner in the, the local town. Um, he's like a very curmudgeonly kind of... Per- perpetually annoyed guy. <laughs> um, it's, it's, it's probably how a lot of the guys feel who are forced to watch the show. Okay. Uh, so it's that, that's kind of the end for the, the male audience, I think of, of the show, but it's the characters are just really great. I, I love how every, everyone just has their role and, and they all play it to an exact, to a, to an exact T and it's really satisfying. So, you know, if you're a dude and you're like, yeah, my girlfriend wants me to watch Gilmore Girls with her or my daughter wants me to watch Gilmore Girls with her or something like that, give it a shot. Because, I mean, you know, like I said, I I don't love it and I don't like I'm not going to watch it on my own or anything, mm-hmm. but it can be incredibly entertaining to watch episodes of it. So <laughs> what what I love is that you started this by saying I'm going to talk very uh, this is going to be brief because mostly I have embarrassment <laughs> but oh my god okay Lorelai is amazing <laughs> and, and this guy is like he's a curmudgeon guy and then yeah. like he's kind of my into it and it's really interesting and well oh Rory's so smart <laughs> the plots are stupid it's like oh my gosh I have to do this group project with a girl I hate at school and that's the plot of the episode <laughs> I'm like that's stupid I don't care mm-hmm. but like, you know the characters make it enjoyable sure give it a shot you know it's interesting because I've actually heard heard that you know the perception of it is that yeah it's oh gilmore girls you know it's a sappy you know mother-daughter uh chick show if that's a thing Mm -hmm. but what i've heard is that it's actually pretty compelling and there's actually some good stuff in it that's that's not gender specific that um it's i feel like my my idea of it is that it's it's a show that's kind of gotten a bad rap um or bad it's been billed as uh, a woman centric show when it when it's you know it's got some stuff for some other um uh for for men as well that they can appreciate too i guess i don't know but i haven't seen a single frame of it so i would agree with that it's it's misunderstood okay it's nice. it, it, it it's not a bad show by any stretch nice. yeah are you guys going to finish it up before the new the new uh netflix thing comes out i i doubt it i don't even know what season we're in mm-hmm. or she's in because she's she i mean she obviously she watches a lot of it without me sure but, you know i'll catch sure. no i'm serious no, 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 i'm sure, serious sure. i've probably seen like <laughs> 10 episodes altogether, okay. and she's watched probably 30 or so oh, wow. yeah okay so um yeah well that's cool i might you know i might give it a shot at some point when i have time i don't know when <laughs> yeah but yeah um i was actually thinking about this because i'm still I have not. I haven't even had a chance. I've talked a, a while ago on the podcast about how I'm rewatching The Wire, and I'm like still halfway through season four. But I just it's it's one of those things where I rewatch. I, I started a rewatch and I got really deep into it and then just fell off mm-hmm. um, because 
it's just it's a, one of those things where I had a lot of stuff going on and I didn't have time to commit to watching it. So after a few days, the the um, the routine I broke free of the routine and I just haven't gone back to it, which I really need to. But what I was thinking of doing is like after finishing that rewatch, I kind of wanted to post a. A, a poll in the Facebook group saying like, okay, well, Hey, I've just finished rewatching the wire. Which should I watch next? Should I watch this, 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 and then like whatever vote, whatever gets voted highest is the next show that I will watch from beginning to end. Wow. Um, so yeah, I'll try that. But you know, if you're listening to this and you haven't joined the Facebook group, do that right now. Cause it is, uh, fun. <laughs> yeah, I, I I enjoy it as well. Yeah, I, I like having it. And it's fun with more people. So go to that at facebook.com slash the obsessive viewer. And um, before we go, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and go into my last bit of potpourri, and then we can call it an evening. Um, so I watched this movie about a month ago, and I don't think I've brought it up on the podcast yet because um, I the just the timing didn't work out. It was like I watched it. I think uh, right around either right before or right after Shocktober and Irvington. And then uh, by the next time we recorded, it was uh, the Heartland episode. And uh, so it just hasn't, I haven't had a chance to talk about it, but I saw the accountant uh, starring Ben Affleck. um, And that movie is, uh, it's a freaking mess. Oh, really? It is so, uh, I did not like it. It was uh, basically the plot is that this, um, this guy, this, he's an accountant. Um, he has, uh, Asperger's. And so he, so he's like, he has, he's on the spectrum. And so he, he makes, I don't even remember the exact plot, but it's just, it's like he, he makes a living. Um, as JK Simmons says in the trailer, um, he makes it, he, he uncooks the books for some of the world's, most dangerous people. And it's like, like drug kingpins and, and, uh, and I don't know if terrorist groups would fall into that, but I don't know. The reason why I'm so hazy on it is that it's just not really depicted that clearly. And there's some egregious, terrible choices in this movie, (laughs) um, from a storytelling perspective. And if you break down the accountant, there are about three different movies running concurrently throughout it, like three different plot lines that could necessitate their entire an entire movie themselves wow. running concurrently and it is jarring like one of the ones is that um jk simmons is this treasury agent who's about to retire so he he brings this uh young analyst um on to to uh track down ben affleck um, because, uh, and, and she wants to be an agent essentially. So that's, that's, that's interesting and, and stuff, but this is literally the first scene of the movie. Like her, like his, like he has information about her history. That's like, he blackmails her into doing this into into working this investigation. No reason whatsoever why they would need to do that. Like there's no reason why they would need to have a plot line where he has some, some secret about her past that she lied about on her application. Um, and he's compelling her into, into doing this work for him. There is no reason for that to be a thing in the movie. <laughs> hmm. And, uh, Anna Kendrick is in this movie as someone who, um, Ben Affleck's character kind of gets a, uh, kind of forms a little bit of a bond with, um, and there's some there's some action stuff here and there, but like toward the about uh there's there's a moment where their storyline reaches a point 
um, where they have to go into hiding, essentially. Um, ben Affleck and, and um, uh, Anna Kendrick barely see her at all the rest of the movie <laughs> like Jeez. like there's a whole sequence at the end of the movie like the whole climax of the movie in the middle of it i'm thinking like wait what happened to anna kendrick because that just that just completely that did nothing like nothing happened there and then uh there's a whole subplot involving his father and memories of his father and um and also john bernthal's in the movie as this operative guy who is who's uh, kind of hunting him down, sort of, and it's all a big jumbled mess, and it was just not to my liking at all. And it, and some of the uh, the quote unquote twists and turns in the plot, like I were, they were telegraphed a mile away, mm. and it was just, it was not a satisfying movie. And worst of all, <laughs> it um, worst of all, it it treats. It treats um, Asperger's and, and autism as this weird, like it treats it as a uh, superpower kind of kind of thing, and and it's it's kind of tasteless in, in a sense. Um, it's not as like offensively bad as as um, as you might think, but it's not very uh, kind to it. It's it's kind of it's kind of ugly. Um, the way that the way that they handle that that subject matter and make it into somewhat of an action thriller movie, huh? That's weird. Yeah, it was not good. I really didn't like the movie. Um, <laughs> yeah, and there's uh, there's there's so many things about it that I I wasn't a fan of, but I don't want to go into any more spoilers than I already did. But anyway, that's the accountant. Um, you know, it's it's a movie. I didn't like it. Um. I didn't think it you know. looked very good. I, I haven't seen it, but I didn't think it looked very good. Yeah, I, I, I didn't either. I just, I think I, I think I only watched it because a podcast I followed was reviewing it, and I like to stay on top of their reviews. Right. Um. But yeah, yeah. So that's the accountant, and uh, I think that'll do it for this week's episode of the Obsessive Viewer. Um. Next week, Tiny, we talked about taking and taking a week off. Yeah, it's uh, Thanksgiving. So. It is. It's Thanksgiving week. And then I kind of realized that Fantastic Beasts comes out this weekend. Oh, uh, jeez. So I don't know. I don't. We'll probably take a week off. And then uh, next week, ne- uh, Thanksgiving weekend, we are going to be at Starbase Indy. I think we're going to have a panel on Sunday. That's Sunday. We're going to be talking about um, movies that never got made or, or, or und- uh, sequels. Basically, development hell. Mm-hmm. Is what we're gonna what we're gonna be talking about with uh, Mike George over at uh, Starbase Indy. Uh, we're really excited to be back there again. Um, it's always a, it's always a treat. So uh, stay tuned for that the week after next. We might have an episode next week. We probably won't. We'll probably take a week off. So having said all that, is there anything else that we need to say? Um, I don't think so. We love you, Emperor Trump. Oh God! So he doesn't throw us in a gulag. Eh. thank you guys for listening and we'll see you next time thanks thank you for listening to the obsessive viewer presented by obsessiveviewer.com you can find more of our episodes at ovpodcast.com and you can subscribe to the show on itunes stitcher or your preferred podcast app the Obsessive Viewer's theme song is An Eclipse of Events and is provided by Loudlike from their EP Mistakes We Must Make. 
You can find that and more great music from them on iTunes and like their Facebook page at facebook.com slash loudlikemusic. Any and all feedback on the podcast is encouraged. You can email the hosts individually at Matt, Tiny, or Mike at obsessiveviewer.com or send an email to the podcast in general at podcast at obsessiveviewer.com. Check out the Obsessive Viewer blog at obsessiveviewer.com where we post movie and TV reviews and the occasional editorial about the business of entertainment. You can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the Obsessive Viewer and follow us on Twitter at Obsessive Viewer, at Obsessive Tiny, and at I am Mike White. If you want more obsessive content in your life, check out our sister site, obsessivebooknerd.com, for book reviews, author spotlights, and a general celebration of reading. Finally, if you're philosophically curious, check out Tiny's side project podcast, The Secular Perspective, which explores the concepts of faith, religion, and existence from the perspective of secular hosts. You can find that at thesecularperspective.com and subscribe to the podcast on the podcatcher of your choice. Again, thank you so much for listening. We love you. Be excellent to each other.